Have you wondered about living elsewhere after you retire? Well, we have, almost daily. As you know, it's not an overnight decision. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about places to consider living in during your retirement. We started this show for selfish reasons, because we will be retiring in the next few years, but we're not sure where. Then a light bulb went off in Jean's head. What are others doing with so many baby boomers retiring? There must be many relocating. So we decided, let's connect with them and pick their brains. But first, a little background. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney and practicing higher ed law at a college who loves working with students, faculty, and staff. I am not Asian, born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I am a law librarian working in a court who loves his job. We've lived in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, New York for many years and have been thinking about our future home. So we'll be speaking to folks from around the country and now around the world who have moved to venues of their dreams and more. And we will share their stories and we will share their intimate secrets. No. I'm just kidding, Jean. But we will provide information that you may not find anywhere else. So stay tuned. Hola. Today, we take you to Tavira, Portugal. Tavira is a town in the Algarve, which is in Portugal's southernmost region. Like many towns in this region, Tavira was basically destroyed in the Great Earthquake of 1755. So many of its lovely buildings were constructed in the 18th century. We wish we had more time to talk about the beauty this city has to offer, but we must start the show. And we usually limit the show to about, what, Jean, an hour and a half at most? Sometimes it's 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Depending on how tired we are. <laughs> okay. A little background. Ken Klein was born in California and raised in Georgia. He attended the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. Ken held a career in journalism as a newspaper and magazine reporter and editor, primarily covering financial services for trade publications, and he retired in 2016. Ken's interests and hobbies include writing, hiking, music, bird photography, and travel. And I hear, Gene, that there are many, many, many birds of different ilks in Tavira, so what a great place for that. Yeah. Ken is also an independent author of travel books. His most recent work is Santering to Santiago, the Camino de Santiago for Slow Walkers, which is about a 200-mile walk he and his wife, Bina, took in 2018 from Porto, Portugal, to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. He has also published two other travel books related to the Middle East. The first Tracking the Queen of Sheba, a travel memoir of Yemen. This tells his adventures of accompanying an archaeological expedition to the wilds of eastern Yemen in 1984. The second, Village on the Nile, a memoir of Upper Egypt. This describes his experiences living in an Egyptian village in 1983. Onto Bina. Bina Klein was born and raised in Mumbai, India. She attended college in Mumbai then moved to the U.S. and earned a master's degree at Atlanta University. Bina had a career in IT, working in both technical and management positions, and later switched to commercial real estate. Well, that's some switch. 
Retired in 2014, her hobbies include photography, painting, hiking, and she has a passion for travel. Thanks, Jean. Now, Ken and Bina have been global nomads, as noted, living mostly outside the U.S. since about 2015. And we are thrilled to have you on our show. And thank you very much for joining us. So why don't we start with, why don't you guys tell us how you made this big decision to leave the United States, or maybe it wasn't a big decision because Ken, it seems like you've traveled all over the world. And how did you land in Portugal? And uh, we'll go from there. Ken has been, both of us worked mostly from home for a long time. And when I decided to retire in 2014, um, we looked around and figured out that we could live anywhere because he could work from anywhere. It was then a matter of selling that to his boss. So we started out by asking for permission to go live in Florida for a month and said, do you mind if we do that? And he said, sure, go ahead. And after that month was over, we asked him, oh, how did you think it went? And what if we moved a little bit further? So he said, how much further? And we said, Costa Rica. (laughs) And he agreed to that. Oh, nice. Yeah, he, he agreed to it basically, as he said, as long as it was not apparent to anyone else that I was in Costa Rica, you know, because with a phone and the internet, you could be anywhere. Absolutely. And so as long as, as, long as I maintain that, you know, transparency, it was okay. And you guys did it pre-COVID. <laughs> and you, you, were writing for, you were writing for a business journal at the time, is that right? Yes, it was a, a magazine published by a company called BAI based in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, called Banking Strategies Magazine. And so I was the uh, editor of that. Oh, great. Oh, wow. Okay. So once we moved to uh, Costa Rica, it was, you know, easy to then explore Costa Rica and Central America and a little bit of South America on vacations, etc. cetera. And it, then time, it was time for Ken to retire as well. Um, there were some changes in the office and uh, it just was worked out better for us if he retired. He could actually have retired when we first moved to Costa Rica. At the time, he didn't have any hobbies. He didn't. And both of us were like, what are you going to do if you retire? So he kept working. I know it's a silly reason, but yeah. it was important to have a focus in life. Absolutely. And but once we got to Costa Rica, he discovered um, bird photography. He also played music with a group that was there. Somebody lent him a guitar and he played with them. And he discovered or got back into personal writing. So when the time or the opportunity came for him to retire in 2016, it, it was it was time. Yeah, I just throw in there that um, for any of your listeners who consider who are considering retirement, we feel just based on our observations and personal experience. It's critical to have some important hobbies that can keep you occupied or or social activities or charitable uh, things that you do. You, you, it's really important to have, you know, a reason to get up in the morning is the way mm-hmm, I would put it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's something we think is very important for, you know, people who are retiring. Yeah, I hear that a lot, that there are people who retire, then they wake up and think, all right, this is great. I don't have to set the alarm or anything but now what and <laughs> and many people wind up going back to to their jobs before we go further 
how did you, when did you have in your mind that you wanted to leave the U.S. or were you in Florida and said, oh, this can't be all there is? <laughs> Years earlier, we've always traveled. Every summer we've gone somewhere. We've taken our daughter. As soon as she got out of diapers, we you know, went somewhere. Um, and we enjoy being out of the U.S. It was just a way to explore the world. For us, that's what it has always been. So while the expat lifestyle has its own recommendations for us it's more the opportunity to be in a place that is closer to other places to look at where is your daughter i heard you mention she's in atlanta of all the places in the world how did you decide on costa rica as the first place well we we just simply did some research um, uh, you alluded to the internet magazine international living earlier um we we studied that uh, we looked at the places they had recommended and and did write-ups on. And initially, actually, we looked at Panama. Uh, we were considering Panama. They are particularly hospitable to um, uh, people, you know, coming in, you know, to retire there. There's a lot, a lot of uh, tax benefits. But then, we, for some reason, we couldn't get very excited about that. And our research switched over to Costa Rica. I'm not sure exactly what clinched it. But we... Well, it was really that, just like Ken says, we talked about uh, going to Panama. And about four, three, four months later, we looked at each other and said, are we still going to Panama? Because neither of us had done anything to move towards that goal. And then we sat down and said, OK, what's second on the list? It's Costa Rica. So we said, OK, let's focus on Costa Rica. Yeah. A month later, we, we were there, so to speak. Wow. Uh, we just got excited about it. The more research we did, we were like, okay. And then it was just a matter of strategizing how we could do the move. And hence the Florida. I would mention that um, we, we sort of um, did it step by step. We, we took several what we call reconnaissance trips to, Puerto R- uh, to, to Costa Rica, about at least two or three, I believe. Yes. And we'd stay a place a week. Then we stay another place, maybe two weeks, you know, stretching it out a little bit each time. That enabled us to sort of focus in on a particular area. So we picked the town of Gracia initially in the Central Highlands, which is fairly close to San Jose. Then later went to San Ramon, which is a little closer to the Pacific coast, but still in the Central Highlands. And um, so we we did it step by step uh, uh, in Costa Rica. Uh, until we found the places that we enjoyed living in, and then we focused on those. And even the first time when we went there, our goal and what we had told everyone is we're going for three months. And then it became, and we didn't want to return. We didn't need to return, so we stayed longer. We did a short trip back, brought a few more things back, and stayed. So it wasn't a planned, okay, we're going for, you know, three months, uh, for three years or whatever. Yeah. But uh, the move to Portugal has been much more deliberate. Right. Uh, it has been more, yes, we're going to move to Portugal. Yes, we're going to stay there. Uh, because the it's in, to move to Costa Rica, it's easy. You move there on a tourist visa. You don't need to do any paperwork, right? They allow you to come there. And you can stay for 90 days and all you have to do is just leave for a day and come back to renew your visa. So they make it easy to just come and then decide. But 
With Portugal, yes, we could have come here for 90 days under different circumstances. But because of COVID, the only way to come here right now is to apply for the visa, a D7 visa, a residency visa, and then move here. So the move to Portugal has been much more deliberate. Yeah, deliberate. That's a good way to uh, uh, phrase it. I mean, we've we had a lot of planning to do with Portugal. Uh, Costa Rica, it was more of a, a gradual process over a period of time. We never bought a house in, in Costa Rica. We did buy a car, but not a house. And we rented ver- various places around the country. So we we're it was always a little more um, temporary. Temporary. So you still- even we, we never got residency in Costa Rica either. We never oh. applied for residency there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. We, we never put down roots there in any way. And, and Costa Rica, you mostly lived up in the hills, right? Yes. Correct. In the Central Valley, right. Okay. And, and did now, you like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, because you're living at what I call an ideal temperature. It's cool during the night, and you don't need air conditioning or heat mm-hmm. most of the mm-hmm. time. You It cools down at night, and it's nice and warm and sunny during the day, except for the rainy season, which they don't tell you about, which is the green season. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just... it's. We liked being up there. It's much more scenic. It's because you have the rainforest and then you have all the uh, coffee plantations and sugar cane plantations. So it's very scenic. Yeah, I should, yeah, Ben made a good point. Uh, in Costa Rica, we, we sort of lived there more or less permanently for about four years, but uh, come rainy season, we're out of there <laughs> for a couple of months. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, we 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 were we were in Costa Rica during the good months. Okay. You know? Okay. After the first year, we decided it was just rainy not, season, not for us. Because it rains quite a bit. It rains for hours during the day. Hours. Yep. Yep. It's just and, not and then over it. months is how long is the rainy season? Well, it starts a little bit in June, but it it's really intense in the months of October and November. Wow. And, but it can last anywhere from June to December. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Oh, so it's not it's just not, a month. Like it's not intense during right. June, July, August, which you do get rain. Okay. But October is the really bad month. So if we okay. could, even October, we would. Okay. Can you tell us about the um, the logistics? You mentioned that Portugal was more of a deliberate decision. So what what made that different than just kind of visiting for 90 days? Because we had to apply for the visa. We had to mm-hmm. actually go through and immigrate here, right? We were not just, we didn't just move here as tourists like we did in Costa Rica. Okay. We had Can to you- apply for our D7 visa and do all of the paperwork necessary for that and then wait for approval. And we've set up our bank account here. We've set up, you know, we've phone service, phone service of course, phone service we had in Costa Rica, but we have an actual bank account here. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've uh, done things that, well, we oh, have a card. residency card. So we are residents and we just um, switched our driver's licenses to Portuguese driver's licenses. Mm. That's a requirement. Uh, because you're a resident, right? And if you don't do it within two years, then you have to take the test in Portuguese. Which <laughs> oh, okay. So we went ahead and did all of the paperwork required. So we're doing a lot more to make this more permanent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we 
commit to being here forever. We still don't know if we will, but we're here for a few years, certainly. Okay. Yeah, okay. Pina has a phrase which I like a lot. It's um, we're here until we're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so is your, where is all your stuff? Did you sell your house in Atlanta um, and so on? 2000, yes. Um, all our stuff, uh, what's left of it is, is in storage in Atlanta. And that's very little. Um, we, the major piece is we sold our house in 2018. Talk about uh, decluttering. I mean, we just got rid of all our furniture. If we couldn't sell it, we basically gave it away. Uh, all our personal belongings. Can you imagine how much the average person has in their attic? You know, <laughs> how much do you actually use? Actually, it's very little. <laughs> we, yeah, we, yeah. But, but you know, there's a certain emotion that's a little bit difficult. You know, you're taking all the stuff you've had for all these years, and it has some monetary value, but nobody else wants it, and the family wants it, so you just, you know, off to goodwill. And that's basically what we did. But we certainly, that was our big decluttering. But we had sort of started that process uh, a, a few years before by digitizing all our financial records and then all our photographs. So basically, we carry our lives on our laptops to a certain extent. You know, everything important in terms of records or photos is, is there. You know, it's, um, that was the big step in 2018. And then after that, all, all we had left was the car in, in, in uh, the U.S., which we sold just before we left for Portugal. So at this point, we had no assets. substantial properties, assets of any kind in the U.S. And when we came to Portugal, we came with six suitcases, and that was it. We didn't come with a lot of stuff. We're renting a furnished apartment, and Portugal, we know we can find what we need. Um, so we brought the most important things that we knew we would need and, you know, other things like supplements and medications and things like that to get us started here. But we really didn't bring anything. And our plan is when we go back the next time to Atlanta is to downsize that little storage uh, place into even less because we have a lot of things there that I don't know if we'll ever use again. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not worth, you know, storing. It's funny how that works because you, you think you need all this, this stuff. In fact, you find out you need very, you, you need very little of it. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's um, ironic. And, uh, you know, having been through the exercise before with Costa Rica, we know what we need to bring over here roughly to live long-term. Mm. You know, we know the essentials that we need to bring with us. Anything else you can buy here. So when you've gone back to Atlanta, have you had to find uh, like an Airbnb or, or what's been your pattern, so to speak? Airbnbs. We okay. have a good relationship with a landlady. Most of the time when we go back to Atlanta, we check and see if her places are available or we'll give her an advance notice and, you know, she'll, we'll work out a time when her, she's got two places that she rents. And that worked to our advantage when we flew back to Atlanta in um, March of last year from New Zealand, because we had to return to US to, to base when um, COVID came along. And we returned to her place. We had reservations, but she worked with us to just work out a long-term lease and let us stay there until our visa came through. And that was a huge advantage to us because the visa timing was something we couldn't predict. 
But she let us stay there. She said, just let me know when you're leaving. Give me, you know, a couple of weeks notice. And that's what Yeah. That was a tremendous benefit, I must say. So we've built a relationship. And then there is one other lady that we've built a relationship with. So we have a couple of Airbnbs that we go back to. Oh, that's nice. Very nice. So how did you decide on Tavira? Well, the the, uh, fastest uh, answer to the question is we've been here before in 2018 um when we we walked the camino de santiago in uh, 2018 and after we finished we came down to tavira to spend a month and that's when we actually got to know it in its full glory as you might say because it was you know normal everything worked just the way you know it did and we got to experience it and found that it you know we liked tavira and then when we were looking at places to come this summer and where in Portugal we should come, we knew that the timing would be November, December. So we'd be moving in the winter. Um, and the weather in Tavira and the Algarve played a huge factor because if we had moved to Porto or to Lisbon, it would have been cold and wet and, you know, because of the rain. And if we can help it, we don't do cold and wet. In fact, um, this has still been the coldest winter we've had, even though it hasn't really been that cold. That was the main reason we picked Tavira. What is cold to you? <laughs> In Tavira, the coldest it got one. There was a 10-day period when they said it was colder than it had been in 20 years, and it went down to the 40s at night. <laughs> well, one, one morning I, I recorded at 39. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's Fahrenheit you're talking about. Yeah, sorry, Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but, you know, it's different because the humidity is so high here. It's a it's a different cold if you've been in a humid cold. And it, there's no central heat. Oh, so okay. you've got um, what they call mini splits, which every room has this air conditioner, heat pump kind of unit. Mm-hmm. And you have that in each room, but not in not centrally everywhere. So you're you know, turning it on as you go from room to room. And as you walk from room to room, of course, you go from a warm room to a cool, cold room. You know? So that made problem, it caused problems in the winter. At the same time, I mean, it's all relative. It's, mm-hmm. even, even, the, even in the worst of winter here, even in the worst days, if there was a sunny afternoon, we could go out, out of our door, uh, go around the corner, and we're in a country lane, Within a few minutes, you know, looking at nice green countryside. Wow! And, and, and bright sunshine above. You you can almost get by without even a, a light jacket. Oh, nice! Um, so so and that was in the depth of winter. At this point, here it is mid March, and when we go walking, you know, I'm wearing shorts and um, t-shirt. Nice, nice. Oh, it, it's mid sixties today. Mm-hmm. Uh, bright sunshine, beautiful weather. And we sit on our balcony and eat lunch most days, or we'll have, we can even have breakfast out there now and often, you know, enjoy a cocktail in the evenings out there. We usually, it's not light yet for dinner, so we usually go in, but in a week when time changes, we'll probably be able to eat dinner out. Now, we know that um, Costa Rica is, has a great um, desirable cost of living. Can you talk about the cost of living in Tavira? Or Portugal? It's comparable. It's very comparable. Um, and yet it's in some ways 
better for us because while our rent is, you can rent places in Tavira or in Portugal for the same amount of, as what you would rent in Costa Rica easily and maybe even less because we know of places you can rent in Tavira for 650, 650 700 a month for a two-bedroom, wow. which is very reasonable. And the amenities are, you know, great. Utilities are higher here, especially electricity. But, you know, it's, well, it's higher here only because you need it more, perhaps, in the winter, right? In Costa Rica, it's probably just as expensive, but you don't need it, don't at need least it where much. we were living. Oh. But if you were living by the coast and needed electricity, the cost would probably be comparable. Food, I believe, is comparable but here we have a bigger variety and we have better meats and, you know, fresh mm -hmm. fish. Uh, for example, at the Mercado, I have what I'm going to call my own personal butcher. I can go to him and request whatever cut of meat I want and he will prepare it for me. So if I tell him I want veal for veal scallopini, he will pound it for me. Wow. Oh, wow. Ask him, you know, for... Um, Oh, the other day we wanted lamb chops. So he goes into his freezer and brings out this whole big carcass of lamb and cuts out the pieces we wanted. It's just amazing. So when you it's go so to good. when you go to him, do you speak in Portuguese or does he speak English? He speaks English, thank goodness. Well, actually, he uh. he, he speaks uh, French really well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he speaks English, okay. Yeah. So for Easter, I ordered from him a butter fried leg of lamb i ordered in advance and we'll pick it up next week now that is something i couldn't do probably with a portuguese butcher because it doesn't translate right mm -hmm. butterfly leg of lamb <laughs> and most of them wouldn't understand but because this guy spent time in france he knows exactly what i wanted and he says okay i'll have it ready for you so but luckily because we're here in the algarve most people speak english Oh, ah. okay. And in a lot of Portugal, what is the statistic? Yeah, um, that's an interesting thing. Um, you know, Portugal, there was recent studies done but for 2020. Out of all the countries in Europe, the English fluency in Portugal is number seven. That's like one step above Germany, which, you know, is famous for wow. you know, yeah. high percentage of English speakers. Um, and this is this is ranking involves countries that are non-native English speaking. Mm -hmm. so, so you wouldn't have UK in there or, or Ireland. So that's that's tr tremendous. I mean, children here grow up; they they start learning English as soon as the fifth grade, or even they, earlier. Or even earlier. They I guess private schools. Uh, they they watch movies and American television programs undubbed. In other words, there'll be subtitles in Portuguese. But they don't dub the sound, nice. so they get used to the sound of, of of English spoken. Everybody here knows at least some English, and their English is usually way better than my Portuguese. Right. So we start a conversation, <laughs> and I'll say "fala English" and say "un puku," and then you know they'll start, and it's fluent. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and young people particularly. I mean, they just can they can talk almost like they're on streets in New York. I mean, well, it's interesting. The accent, the Amer the English accent in Northern Portugal is more American 
Oh. But down uh, here in Algarve, it's more European. Oh. We had a plumber come over and his name was, it was an American sounding name. And we talked to him and we were sure he was European or, you know, Swedish or something like that because of the way he sounded. Exactly. And he said, no, I'm Portuguese. It, it, that floored <laughs> us because he was speaking fluent English with this European English accent. Wow. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> So have you taken a Portuguese course over the time? Yeah, we're working on some online courses right now, uh, which mm -hmm. are very helpful. And we're, we're, we're doing our best. I mean, we're even though, theoretically, actually, you could live in the Algarve and never speak Portuguese. And some people do that um, just because the, th this place has been um, English uh, vacationers have been coming here for decades. Um, they're used to foreigners. They, they have a huge tourism industry catering to that. So they need English speakers. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of reasons why the Algarve is, is uh, so many people are fluent in English. The problem is <laughs> on the opposite side is that if you're trying to learn Portuguese, sometimes it's difficult because they will automatically default to English when they're talking to you. Uh -huh. <laughs> you can say, you know, you can go into a shop and try your Portuguese and order something and, you know, the woman will kind of nod and, you know, say, oh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But then she'll immediately ask you, and what else would you like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, they spot you a mile away. You know? okay. <laughs> okay. There are some people, the vendors at the Mercado, for example, they don't speak English. And I love talking to them, right? So when I go, I'll order it, whatever I want in uh, Portuguese. I'm practicing my Portuguese. And they're very patient. They'll mm -hmm. correct me if I, you know, get oh, it. Oh, nice. And especially my um, the lady I buy my fish from, she speaks mine really well, but she also speaks Portuguese slowly. So I'll ask her, you know, como cocinar, how do I cook this? And she'll explain how do I, you know, uh, make something. We bought this huge crab. It was literally eight inches across for so. Christmas. They were selling them. Never saw and like I that. didn't know how to cook wow. it. Scene. She explained to me how to do it. And, you know, she speaks slowly. So I'm practicing through them. But yeah. it is very hard to practice your Portuguese. Well, you're daring, Bina, asking for cooking instructions. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. One That's tablespoon. Oh, I love doing that. I love doing that. Since you brought up fish, how is the fish there? Is it amazing? Excellent. We oh, yeah. It is so fresh and so good. And you can just, we buy... Um, whole fish and they'll clean it for you and they'll you know cut it whichever way you want most of the time I'll just ask them to clean it and you know uh, we'll just cook it all uh, we've gotten to where we bake it or grill it and if I you know I'll ask them if I want plan to grill it I'll ask tell them I plan to grill it so they'll you know cut it to the middle so there's so much fish here that I have not yet learned what each fish is you know I'm still learning oh, wow. so I'll try a new fish every time I go there. I'll ask her, you know, okay, what shall I try today? And she'll tell me something and she'll say, this is for the oven. And I'll say, okay. And she'll say, you know, whatever. Or I'm taking my little phone and translating, you know, the names of the fish as I buy them. But there's not just fish, but there's octopus. It's very, very popular. In mm -hmm. fact, just down the road, there's a town called Santa Lucia, which is known as the capital of polvo, capital of uh, octopus, mm -hmm. and has a Michelin star restaurant, in capital fact. Capital of octopus. Wow. Mm -hmm. octopus. Yeah, for octopus. Mm -hmm. We haven't tried it yet. Um, yeah. And then there's 
squid, there's uh, all kinds of other seafood that I'm still exploring, clams that, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I might mention that there's commercial fishing is still a big industry here in the Algarve, and all the major towns along the coast, including Tavira, will have a place where they have their fishing boats uh, that dock and, and um, deliver their uh, fresh, fresh fish every morning. So, so it's, it's a big industry. When you go into the Mercado, which is the municipal market, you basically get fresh fish. And how so, the prices, how the prices of the fish? They're cheaper than the States, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I t- couldn't compare because then I have to do the conversion. But um, mm-hmm. I just bought some uh, salmon, uh, two pieces of, um, you know, fillets for four euros. Mm. So that's oh, pretty wow. big, isn't that's, it? That's, so, that's, that's inexpensive, yeah. And I'm buying whole fish for eight euros. I mean, an, a whole fish that would feed two people. Wow. So wow. It's very inexpensive and it's fresh. Since yeah. we're on the subject of food, um, I have a very diverse palate, I guess, especially compared to Jean. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> can you talk to us about the diversity of Tavira and Portugal in terms of um, the food as well as people? Tavira, because of its uh, expat population, which is uh, mostly Brits, has better Indian food than I have found in the States. Wow. Really? <laughs> so, Good to know. Good yes. to know. Um, and here we have sushi, we have uh, Thai, we have Thai, a few. Thai, yeah. In the Algarve, we have some diversity when it comes to food. Uh, but in Lisbon, you can get anything. In yeah, Porto, really, you can yeah. get anything. From a people perspective, it's, I don't feel, as an Indian person, I don't feel like I'm standing out. I feel there's enough diversity around me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there, is there is, yeah, there's a, a large Indian community, well, Indian Pakistani community here in Tavira. But also uh, other um, Asians well, and other, you yeah. know, there are a few. I mean, I don't feel like it's, you know, just all Portuguese people around us anywhere. Now, if we went up into the mount- hills behind uh, Tavira into the smaller communities, sure, right? Then you Portuguese, would not have, yeah. it's all Portuguese. Most of the places we go, it's fairly diverse. And Lisbon okay. is a melting pot. Yes. Porto is a little mm-hmm. melting pot. The areas around there, of course, yes. And of course, in the Algarve itself, there's so many European tourists. English would be number one. But there's Swedes. also a fair number of Swedes, Dane. um, Danish. Danish, French, um, oh, some Italians. Hmm. So you're always running into a, a wide mixture of people right here. Right. In fact, the American population is probably a smaller. Smaller, yeah. Expat. But, but I would add one thing to that. There, there are many, many Portuguese who have for generations have been immigrating to the United States. Mm-hmm. And then they will work there for a while and then come back. And so we we actually know some uh, sort of American slash Portuguese people here in in Portugal uh, that are very helpful to us. Basically, they they spent their working lives in the U.S. and then they came back to to, uh, relax, you know, and retire. retire. Uh, So that's very, very common. People often have relatives in the States. Mm -hmm. We talk about health care. Was it difficult to um, identify primary care physicians and and, uh, the acceptance of insurance? Um, Let's hear about that. Well, let me me talk about 
just sort of set the general parameters of the health system here. Portugal has basically what you call socialized medicine in the public sector. And of course, that is, is very, very inexpensive. And we, now that we're residents, we have a health number, which allows us to utilize the public system. So if, if we have a major emergency, you know, we, we can call an ambulance, go to a public hospital, they'll take care of us, no problem. But um, we also have access to private health care. And we have an insurance, a private insurance policy for that. So we essentially, we're doing both. We're doing the private and the um, public. Now, up to this point, we have had no experience with the public system. So I, I can't say much more than the fact that it's there and it would be of help if we needed it. What we have had, what we've done so far in our four months here so far is we have been to the uh, local clinic that we used, uh, that we use. We've seen, a, we, have, we have a doctor and uh, we're very happy with him. The cost of visiting this doctor for a consultation is 12 euros wow. per visit. That's it. That's with our insurance, but that's, that's right. our only out-of-pocket expense is 12 euros every time we go see the doctor. I think having a blood test, a comprehensive blood test was in the same ballpark as I remember, you know, about 12, 15 euros. That's it wow. for a comprehensive blood test. That's amazing. Um, so we've, you know, the cost of medicine without question, I mean, you can't, it's not without, it's without debate, is much, much cheaper in the United States. I will say, on the other hand, you have to be aware, taxes are higher. But go back to medicine. But, but, but to stay on medicine, just a few more things. Um, for private health insurance, you can get what is known as the platinum level policy, which is the most comprehensive, best policy for, four, for a couple for 4,000 euros a year. And uh, that's what you see. And it Great. covers everything. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. We chose something a little less and ours is about 2,000 euros uh, a year for the two of us, because we still have insurance in the States, at least through this year. Uh, we don't have, there's no concept of um, deductibles. It's just whatever you pay and that's it. I filled all my prescriptions here recently and I paid less than about a fourth of what I would pay for my copay in the US. Okay. And I can even probably go lower if I, you know, use my health care number now that I have it. Mm -hmm. So it's all, and the it's same medications, right? Same. Um, the only thing that's more expensive here is, are supplements. So if you take vitamins and you take right. other supplements, those are more expensive here and probably all over Europe, because I've looked into those. So that's one of the few things we bring back with us if we bring anything back from the U.S. So, so are there separate um, private and public hospitals? Yes. 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 Uh, so with your yes. private insurance, you can go to the private hospital. Right. right. Or right. you can go to a public hospital. Um, and the level of care in the public hospitals here is excellent. We know somebody who just posted a story about they had a, um, they hurt their finger and they had to go to the public hospital for care, you know, to get stitched up and everything. 
And they waited 20 minutes. They were seen by you wow. know, a group of people. All of them spoke enough English. They took care of him and they charged him, I think, 35 euros. And that was it. Wow. And wow. then he, he went back for aftercare and he didn't have to pay anything. Now, don't quote me on the number, but it was extremely reasonable mm-hmm. and very timely, just, you know, great care. So the mm-hmm. public health system is very, very good. But because it is a socialized medicine, if you have the need for any big Test. tests or big surgery, you may have to wait. So it's always good to have the private, right? But even the private is very reasonable. You also mentioned that you kept your insurance in the States. For now. So be, so between keeping that there, which is what we would like to do when we travel, because we, we plan to go, you know, 90 days at a time. Is that costly? Because now you've got your private care costs in Portugal. You've got your whatever you have in the U.S. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that if you wouldn't yeah, mind. No, it's definitely a pricey way to do it. Yeah. But it's insurance, right? You're paying for peace of mind just as much as you're paying for actual usage. Mm-hmm. That's how we look at it. That's mm-hmm. our philosophy when it comes to insurance. Um, so we continue to carry it. Um, I have certain pre-existing conditions. So if I, for some reason, we had to travel back to the U.S., I would have a very hard time getting insurance. Understood. Again. Yeah, that's, uh, once that's, I'm 65, then I will be covered under Medicare and we will drop it. Mm, but mm. until I'm 65, I have three more years to go. Until then, we're going to do the, for me, the dual coverage. He's on sure. Medicare. He's got the, just the Medicare plan supplement, but okay. for me, we continue to carry it. Yes. Got it. I it agree. Complicated mm-hmm. If we lost it. Okay. That makes sense. You never know what life will bring. Yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Unfortunately. <laughs> and I've heard for prescriptions in some countries, you don't need, even need a prescription to just go to the drugstore. Is that the case in Portugal? Yeah, I can just take, if I wanted to, I could just take my, um, the bottles with the last uh, medication and they would fill it. Now I haven't tried just, you know, writing it down and taking it. I don't know if they would do that, but I've certainly heard of people just taking empty bottles and getting it filled. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, we pay very little because we're both insured, but um, I, I, I cannot fathom taking a bottle of Lipitor to Walgreens or something and go, I need right. more. Right. You're not getting it. Yeah. And the nice thing is here, they give you three months at a time or four months at a time without wow. question. I had to get a lot of approval. I mean, I'm on the 90 day, but I still had to go through that right. process. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We talked about I just want to go back a second. We talked about the cost of living. We know that um, comparable to Costa Rica. Following up on that, I, I was trying to say earlier, you know, you have to look at different segments when you're talking about cost of living uh, comparisons. Yes, in, in any country you go to, some things are cheaper and some things are more expensive. And it's it's kind of difficult to balance those two those things out because it all depends on what you use. For us in Portugal, you know, obviously medical costs are a lot less. That's a huge positive. Cost of, of apartments, of, of lodging, of food is either comparable or less. So that's positive. On the negative side, you always have to keep in mind is the taxes. Taxes in Portugal are much higher. The top rate here is 40%. 
Wow. Now, yeah, 40% of, of your income, if you're a working person, potentially could be taxed in Portugal if you're under the normal tax regime. Now, we, under this um, D7 visa re, um, that we've re received and the residency, we're under a 10-year special tax regime, which is only up to 10%. So our tax rate is only 10% for 10 years. Then it defaults to the normal rate of 40% Whatever, or whatever yeah. after 10 years. Wow. That's amazing for 10 so, years. So you, you have to always keep, you know, that's something you have to keep in mind. Indirect taxes are all over the place. The government will attach taxes to the toll road that we use to go around the Algarve to, to the purchase of a car. The, the price of cars in Portugal is probably the highest in Europe. Wow. Oh, wow. Wonder it's why. simply because the government tax on all these puts on all these tariffs. So if you if you if you don't have a car, then that's not a concern. But if you if you have to purchase cars, we did, then that becomes a concern. So you see what I mean? It depends yeah. on what mm -hmm. you actually use. Um, if you don't use the tollways, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think, like you said earlier, Ken, he has mentioned, we've said this plenty of times, Living in Portugal is affordable. It's not cheap. Not cheap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So anyone who comes here thinking it's cheap will be in for a shock. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it just isn't cheap. It's mm -hmm. affordable. And mm -hmm. it compared to Costa Rica, it's definitely comparable for a higher standard of living. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because cars there are taxed just as much. Say in Costa Rica, the cost of a car of a new of a used car is twice what you pay in the U.S. Ah. Oh yeah, twice. Yeah, I've heard about right. that. What about the auto insurance in Portugal? Very cheap. Very cheap. Very cheap. I oh, don't okay. Even, we didn't blink when we paid it. Yeah, I don't remember. It's, 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 <laughs> wow. That's that's another thing. You know, some things are, are cheaper. Right. 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 Okay. And, and where you live, do you need a car? No. 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 The town of Tavera is extremely walkable and you can walk from one end to the other in an hour. Right. Um, for the first few weeks, we did not have a car. We clocked six, uh, five or six kilometers a day, just <laughs> running errands. Mm -hmm. But it's a very pleasant walk, right? Because it's yeah, uh, yeah. a town, it's not busy. It's, you know, and, uh, but we wanted a car only to explore outside of Tavera. Sure, right? sure, it, it, sure. Because, we rented a car for a few for a week and said, "Oh, we like this. You know, we like getting out." But we have friends who don't have cars here, and they, we know one couple who's been here for a couple of years without a car, and they're perfectly happy. Every month or so, they'll rent a car for four or five days and go exploring, and then turn the car in. And the rest of the time, they're happy without a car. And Uber, of course, is available and taxis. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a car, absolutely. That's, Most towns. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. If, if you're willing to, you know, um, do without, you can live, you can live cheaply here. Well, affordably. Affordably here. Very much so. <laughs> can you walk to a coffee shop if oh, you live absolutely. in town? What? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes even when you don't want to, let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> On the way to town for us, the walk to town, there's this French boulangerie that has uh, not just coffee, which they do a good job of, but they have delicious pastries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh sounds goodness. like me. 
Yeah. That sounds like Matt is spending a lot of there. time there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're having a problem with the sweets. Okay. <laughs> Shall we move to social activities or entertainment? Describe to us, I guess, pre-COVID, what forms of entertainment is available that you avail yourselves of? Well, um, the town of Tavir itself often has um, uh, concerts by the river in the main square. They set up stages um, and, and it's usually, you know, well, Portuguese uh, popular music, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes with a strong rock beat, <laughs> which they, <laughs> they enjoy here. That's funny. Uh, there are also, there, uh, there are theaters and there are, there's a place where they give uh, concerts in, in Fado, Fado, which is the uh, famous uh, music style that's evolved in Portugal, uh, you know, with uh, acoustic instruments and, and usually a female singers. Um, very nice music. Um, there's also um, well, some art we're... displays you, you see occasionally, art ex- exhibitions. But with but outside of Tavira, they also have festivals all, all over the Algarve, particularly in the um, summer. So you can, as one of our friends was saying, you can, you can pick up any particular weekend and you got a festival somewhere. <laughs> mm, nice. You might have nice. to drive a little, of course, but mm-hmm. you've got a festival somewhere in the Algarve. Mm-hmm. Now, this is all pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And for example, when we were here in September 2018, um, there was con- there were concerts going on at, at churches mm, yeah. at six o'clock every Saturday. There was a concert, piano, guitar, whatever. And, and it was every week at different churches and you would go there and mm-hmm. it was just a very pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Um, for other social activities besides the cultural, there's expats are expats everywhere, right? They form and they make groups. So here there's groups that go walking, <laughs> hiking. Um, there's a group of ladies that gets together for social activities. There's also people who get involved in the volunteer side where they provide um, food to families in need. Uh, there's a croquet club that we haven't experienced <laughs> yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, golf is big in the Algarve. Um, tiny bit expensive, but it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to socializing, you know, it's what you want to do. There's yep. lots of opportunities. And then even for artistic, um, there's groups that, you know, uh, for crafts, there's uh, groups that get together and do classes. And mm-hmm. you know, so I suspect once we get out of COVID, it's going, our calendars are going to really fill up if we mm-hmm. want them to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you haven't been there long, but have you made a lot of friends there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have. Yeah. It's nice. The nice part about social media is it's easy, right? And with Facebook, um, there are some groups that are specific to Tavira and the Eastern Algarve. And we've just reached out through that and made friends. Um, and we've met some people on walks um, because, you know, you can walk. Um, and um, there was a new couple that had come in and I showed them around the Mercado. You know, of course, properly masked and everything. But, you know, that's how we met them. Uh, and we've met other people just on Zoom. So, you know, we reach out to them, we talk and then we, you know, chat on Zoom and we're supposed to open up after Easter. So we're looking forward to really meeting all these people at a cafe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we keep in record contact with, I'd say, at least four or five uh, More than American yeah. couples. And then there was a yeah. whole group of uh, folk that moved over here from Atlanta that aren't in Tavira. Well, there's one couple here in one Tavira, couple, yeah. but there's a bunch of them up in Lisbon and Porto. So we keep up with them. So in terms of having friends, we're probably have more friends here than we did when we were isolating in Atlanta. <laughs> That's so funny. And are most of your friends expats? Yes. Yeah. Right now, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, we, I have two friends that, well, three friends who are Portuguese. Both the two girlfriends I have are both in Lisbon, but I do have two Portuguese girlfriends that I've made through other activities. One is a Camino buddy, um, and because she walked the Camino as well, and oh, that's nice. the other we met through a food. Any highlights of Tavira that you'd like to share with us? Other botanical gardens? Um, how close are you to the beach? Well, we're, we're just to explain, uh, Tavira is on the coast and there's an estuary that then feeds this river that goes to the middle of town. So you have a very nice river view when you go downtown and you've got two bridge, three bridges actually crossing wow. the river in the downtown area. And it's, that's all, that's very scenic um, and, you know, nice uh, 17th, 18th century buildings downtown. So that's, that's in terms of, it's very attractive, you know, quaint uh, city, which we, which we enjoy very much. Well, I mean, we have access to a lot of beaches just up and down the coast. Um, it is the Atlantic, so you don't swim, but it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, but for Tavira itself, we have to take a tax uh, a ferry from a place on the riverfront to the beach. A few minutes. few miles away. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. You, have, you can only reach it by ferry. Okay. But then you, you then you have a nice actual beach on the Atlantic Ocean. But Tavira itself does not have a beach. Right. Mm-hmm, walkable. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're close. Okay. But you're yeah. close. Yeah. And all, all along the coast, there are beaches that we can easily reach by car. And how far is the um, airport? The Baru Airport is 30 minutes away. And it's an international airport. And that's one of the things we're looking forward to. One of the reasons we chose Tavira also is because of its access to international travel. So once it opens up, we have, you know, really cheap flights to all over Europe. Right, right. And there's also a train station that's like five minutes from where we are right now. And we can catch a train from there to all over Europe. Oh, wow. Okay. So we can and, make connections and go anywhere. And does that, does that airport have direct flights to the States? Not direct, Not but direct, like no. the way we came here was we flew through Charles de Gaulle. So Atlanta, okay. Charles de Gaulle, Charles de Gaulle de Faro. And oh, that's we not could bad. Back. No, that's not at all bad. Yeah, our choices for flights would either be go, to go to Faro and then go on to another European city and then Atlanta, or we would go to Lisbon and then maybe fly direct. They will later on have direct flights. Later on, yeah. And how often do you fly back to the States or do you go back um, or or does family come to you more often in, in your travels? When we were in Costa Rica, because we were closer and it wasn't quite as expensive, we went back two, three times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're anticipating that from here, it will more likely be just once a year. Mm-hmm. Plus, we want to travel elsewhere when we're here. Sure, sure. Right, um, right, right. Talk about that we haven't talked about, but I think it's we've found it a pleasant surprise 
is the banking system here. Okay. Um, you know, we've done banking in the US, right? And you pay bills online and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you've got all that figured out. Here, it's amazing because you can just do a direct transfer to somebody on your, uh, you know, app on your iPhone for, from your um, bank right. app. Right. And that's how you pay things. So you just, like when I pay my um, cell phone bill, I just do a direct transfer to them from my app on mm-hmm. my phone. Mm-hmm. It's so convenient, mm-hmm. so easy. And a lot of times when you're buying, making big purchases, like buying furniture, you can just do a direct transfer. Mm-hmm. We did when we bought our car. That's how we bought our car. Mm-hmm. I did a direct transfer from my <laughs> oh, <wow>. phone <laughs> to okay. buy the car. Right. And it's just you know, it, the <laughs> checks are just not done. Right, um, right. You do no, everything no, 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 no. very conveniently on your app. Right. Uh, you pay, and a lot of stuff is just, you know, direct debited, of course. They prefer that. Mm-hmm. But it's just so convenient. We love the banking here. Yes. Yeah, there's actually more electronic or more sophisticated electronic banking here than in the U.S. They, they have a system here called Multibanco which they actually developed in Portugal. And I think parts of it are now used in other European countries, but it's, it's extremely convenient as being as just described. I mean, if you, if you uh, have a bill, the company will just send you the bill with a couple of numbers that you then punch into your, your app and off, off the money goes. Oh, wow. So you don't even have to set it up. Easy. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say Portugal is tech forward? Very. In, in some respects, yes. Certainly in terms of uh, the banking system, very tech forward. And they also have uh, very good highways here. The infrastructure here is very good. Uh, the train system works very well. We've used and buses. In buses. We've used in, in our various trips, we've used uh, buses and trains here in Portugal and been very happy with them. Comfortable. So if you're talking about differences, for example, between Costa Rica and Portugal, you know, we really enjoy the infrastructure here when it comes to transportation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a first world country and has all of what goes with mm-hmm. that, right? Things are easy to find. You don't have right. to worry that you won't find things here. Mm-hmm. I can order it from Amazon anytime I want if I can mm-hmm. find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have a certain level of comfort that you, you know, are used to in the U.S., but perhaps wouldn't have elsewhere in the world. Um, so we like that. And then what we don't miss from Costa Rica is the biodiversity. Mm-hmm. Now, the biodiversity is great when it's outside. Yes. Not when it's in your house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. We don't so need those bugs. Had, when we have. When we had scorpions in the house and uh, snakes right outside, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> no, 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 I'm with you. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'm with you right there. <laughs> is there much crime where you live? No, 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 that is a huge benefit to living in Portugal. Crime rates are exceedingly low here. I think it's considered one of the top five safest yeah. or top 10, certainly safest countries in the world. In the world. Yeah. And it uh-huh. is. Oh, that's um, good to know. We go walking at night, you know, come back from dinner late at night, don't worry about it at all. You know, there's petty crime like there is yeah. everywhere. Sure, we sure. don't worry for our physical bodies. We don't worry for, you know, uh, mm-hmm. getting any violence anywhere. You're right. Any kind of violent crime. This is probably the, the uh, as far as we can tell, the safest place 
we've ever lived. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. It's a heterogeneous population, um, very friendly. Portuguese are just very friendly people naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, they just sort of, nothing threatening about this place at all. Is Tavira elder friendly? Depends on how you look at that, right? So uh, there are a lot of elderly people that you can socialize with and do they, you know, have things? Yes. If you look as if we're looking further down the road to say, is there elder care or are there, you assisted know, living. assisted living facilities, then not yet. Mm -hmm. Right. So because of the fact that Portuguese are so, you know, have such strong family units, they take care of their own elderly. Right. So they don't need the kind of assisted living and elder care facilities we need in the States because we don't mm -hmm. have that there. Um, so right now there is they've attempted to put one or two up here in the Algarve. If there was going to be any if there was going to be any facility put up, it would probably be in the Algarve yeah, Algar, yeah. because they are Portugal is attracting a lot of retirees. That's what the whole D7 visa is and the golden visa program is. And I, we can explain something about that in a minute, why they're uh, attracting them. But because they are attracting them and a lot of them come down here, from there, if they were to put something up, they would. And I suspect that by the time we need something, there probably will be at least a few facilities around mm -hmm. for elder care. But right now there isn't. Um, in terms of them attracting, you know, why they're attracting so many retirees. Portugal, frankly, needs the uh, the assets that foreigners bring. This is the one of the poorest countries in Europe, and and, and has been for 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 many generations. They do have a they have some budgetary issues which they're grappling with, so they've instituted this. D7 visa program and also another visa program called the Golden Visa to basically attract foreign people with, with money. If you go for the uh, Golden Visa, you have to agree to bring over a, a large sum of money. I forget about what five, the, About half a million. Half, about half a million euros. <laughs> and, and you get tremendous benefits. I mean, they'll give you citizen, uh, not citizen, but residency right away and lots of privileges, and, and that's sort of the, the platinum approach. Then there's the D7 visa, where not quite at that level, but you still have to show that you've opened a Portuguese bank account, you have enough money to live for at least a year, you you have some sort of rental property here. You know, it's, it's to attract the assets. So that makes Portugal one of the easiest countries in Europe for an American to immigrate to to take up residency. Wow. I think only other thing, only other country I hear mentioned in the same level would be Malta, which is that small island, you know, off in the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Most other European countries, a lot more difficult. I, I know from what I've read, it's a lot more difficult to, to move to France or Germany or Italy or any of the major countries, but Portugal, very easy by comparison. A lot of attractions there for also a lot of the Portuguese, the younger people, unfortunately, are leaving Portugal, right? They're going to the US, they're going elsewhere. So when it comes to a tax base, their own 
country tax base is eroding, right? So mm. they don't have money coming in as a country. They're, that's, why, that's what we've heard is they're attracting foreigners so they can add to the tax base. So we're here spending money, you know, mm. and contributing to the economy. They really, really need that. Yeah, the, the butcher that Peter uh, talked about earlier that she likes so much, it's a young fellow, his name is Victor, and he had spent about 10 years um, in France, where I think he learned a lot of his craft. And um, he's going to go to U.S. next. He he's says, going to the U.S. next. That's oh. his goal. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, young people, that's, that's a tragedy of Portugal, and it always has been, actually, for, for many generations, is young people do not have the opportunities that they want or need if they're ambitious. So, so many of them either go to the U.S. or they go to Europe. Uh, Paris apparently is full of restaurants, owned, you know, managed and owned by Portuguese because they, they've got to get out of this country to, to make a good living. And it's unfortunate, but uh, that's the case. Uh, in our, the uh, property management uh, firm that, that we, we deal with in our apartment, one of the women we met was, uh, had spoke with a, this very, very distinctive Australian accent. You know, because she'd gone to Australia to work and then she'd gotten married and, you know, finally came back. But you see that over and over and over again. And then they come back later on to retire. (laughs) Portugal is a wonderful place for older people to retire. Mm -hmm. Not so wonderful for the young people who who need to get ahead in life. When you look at the wage levels in Portugal, they're incredibly low. I think we've covered a lot. What advice would you give to future retirees who wish to do what you're doing? I would, I'll start by saying that um, here's, here's a bit of advice I, I like to give to any uh, prospective retiree. Always remember that there's a huge difference between being a tourist and living somewhere. You really, it, it sounds so simple, but it's something you need to think about because now, you can go to a country like Portugal or Spain or France, whatever, and you can, you know, come in for a brief couple of weeks and, you, you, oh, wow, what, look at that castle, you know, magnificent. Oh, oh, a quaint, that's a quaint little town. Or I love that beach view. You can see all that and you say, oh, wow, maybe I should come here and live. But until you actually set your feet on the ground and, you know, rent an apartment and, and go to the local shops and, and actually buy things and live there. You don't really know what it's like to live in those places. And so I would suggest um, strongly for anyone considering retiring overseas to at least do some reconnaissance work, you know, come over here for a couple of months, perhaps stay in one place, get a feeling for the place talk to lots of people, other expats or whatever, and just sort of, you know, do some research on the ground uh, rather than sort of, you know, looking at some uh, blogs in the U.S. and saying, oh, wow, that sounds like a great place to live. Let me just go there and buy a house, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that would be my major thing is, is, is don't, it's, it's, a, it's a different world from being just a tourist. And it, we see so many people, especially right now, that don't come over on a trip and just apply for their D7 visa and then move here. In some cases, they'll rent an apartment sight unseen 
for a year or two. Um, We know somebody who came here for two weeks and bought a house. Wow. (laughs) And that's just not something we recommend. We recommend renting in a place for a year, getting to know where you really want to be, and then making the next move. And and would you say you love Tavira so far? No, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we're, we're quite happy that we uh, came here and that we we picked this place. Uh, we are we do are, we keep our eyes out, you know, for other possibility mm-hmm. as, for mm-hmm. locate, you know, for locating elsewhere at some point. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. right now, we're quite happy to be here. Okay, it's it's interesting. Every time we do a show, Gil seems to love the area. <laughs> I'm a little more selective, but I have to tell you, it's this Tavira sounds like a wonderful place. Yeah. I could see myself. Oh, we hope you will come and visit us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we hope so too. Yeah. It sounds very cafes and have cappuccino. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right on top of the list. Okay. Well, that wouldn't be touristy because we'd be doing that every day if we lived there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but new pastries, Gene. New pastries. <laughs> Big coffee drinkers. Okay, good, good. All right. Well, listen, guys. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Our listeners really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, This is wonderful. We're going to link in the show notes the information that we talked about today and maybe some other links. Anything you'd like to share, um, feel free to, you know, send to us and we'll add that. Yeah, we're going to put your books in there. Thank you for having us. We enjoyed it We really enjoyed being here with you. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. So nice of you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com, and you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.